thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the sensational co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He is the legend himself. He's Dr. Damien Christoph. Hi there, Damo. Hello, Marcus. So good to be here again. Great to hear your voice, Damo. We have got a very special guest joining us on 100 Not Out today. We are going to shoot over to the US of A, to California, yeah. to speak with one of the world leaders in the field of aging well. Now, Damo, you and I both know that behind every great man is an even greater woman. Mm-hmm. And our Damn next nice. guest is one of those sensational women. Maddie Dightwald is a world-renowned demographer, author, and entrepreneur. She's the co-founder of Age Wave and is the wife of Dr. Ken Dightwald, who is one of the leaders, if not the leader, in the field of aging well. Ken is a gerontologist, psychologist, consultant, and author of 16 books on age-related issues, including the bestseller Age Wave, and to share her wisdom on making the rest of our lives the best of our lives. It's a big 100 not out welcome to Maddie Dightwald. Thank you so much for joining us, Maddie. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries. Maddie, you and Ken are really largely responsible for the growth in consciousness, really, of the fact that we now have this humongous aging population. The stats vary, but you know, I believe it's about 80 million or so in the US baby boomers, and we've got 5 million baby boomers in Australia. But I'm really curious, how did this entire movement really become part of your life purpose? I mean, I gather you're responsible for so much of the wisdom that we now know in regards to aging well. How did this really become part of what you do today? I think that's a little bit of an overstatement, but thank you for saying it anyway. Very modest. (laughs) Um, You know, if somebody would have told me that I would have ended up in this field when I was a kid, I would never have believed it at all. Uh, And I really did get in it through Ken. And Ken was involved from a pretty young age. I mean, he was in his 20s working as a psychologist, really interested in uh, in human performance, really, when he got involved in the field of aging. And I met Ken and we started having, you know, a personal relationship and I got totally fascinated in the field of aging. Now, I was, believe it or not, working as an actress at the time. I was working on a soap opera in New York. And uh, yeah, so it was a long time ago. It was over 30 years ago. But I was really, really interested in aging from a health standpoint. So my interest really sort of aligned a lot with what you're interested in. I wanted to know what it was like to age well, to not just look good, but to feel good. And it was especially important to me because I have some really bad genes. I mean, my grandfather died when he was 35. My uncle died when he was in his 30s also. So I had this obsession really with trying to figure out, well, what does it take to age well? But Ken got me interested in aging as a trend. I mean, as you just said, in the United States, we have this baby boomer population, 76 million people. It's a third of the overall U.S. population that's right now moving into their into their 50s, 60s, and like late 60s, some of them. I mean, they're really older, but at the time, they were they were going to become an age wave. So we saw this trend evolving and 
we we just recognized that it was going to change the world. And frankly, it really has changed the world. And we hope that we've had a positive influence on what that change has really looked like. You definitely have, Maddie. You and Ken have done a great job in certainly raising the awareness of uh, of the baby boomers and their impact on the world. But we're, we're definitely seeing a decline in health across the planet. And the population of baby boomers in the US is three times the total population of Australia. So that puts that into perspective for you a little bit. Yeah. But um, what do you what do you think is going to happen to the health of people over the next 50 years? Do, do you think we'll get out of this aging mess where people are getting sick as they get older? Oh, that is a very loaded question. I mean, health is the big obstacle to aging well. There's no way around that one. I mean, it is the huge sort of elephant in the room, if you will. Uh, people, for instance, in the United States, and I would bet that it's the same in Australia, uh, say that they want to continue working well into their 60s and 70s. And the number one reason that they stop working is because of health reasons. And, you know, maybe it's stress, maybe it's something more serious, but how, and you know, the thing that's really amazing to me is that the kinds of health issues that affect us as we get older are what we call chronic degenerative diseases, diseases that you get that are caused by sort of lifestyle related issues um, like exercise and um, what you put in your body and stress. I mean, all of these things really do make a difference and they can either help prevent or at least delay these chronic degenerative diseases. And, you know, heart disease, uh, strokes, arthritis, these are all chronic degenerative diseases. So they're within our control. So that's the part that gets me crazy. I mean, we could all be doing just a few <laughs> little things different, and then we would feel a lot better. So then, Maddie, um, even though you are, again, um, leading such a big charge in this um you know, in the aging well industry, I'm sure you still get a lot of uh, resistance and um, disempowered. You know, people going, "Oh no, but I can't do anything about my about my health and my aging. I'm too old to do this now." All of the excuses that come up with with you know age associated you know diseases, but not actually being a result of being old. How do you personally? you know, deal with that because I, I suppose it really, you know, uh, pushes my buttons is probably a strong word, but people in their 30s and 40s are now talking about being over the hill and feeling old and feeling disempowered because they can't do what they used to do when they were in their, you know, in their teens, in their early 20s. Um, how do you, you know, how do you personally deal with that in your own dealings with either family members or day-to-day um, individuals and, and how do you think we can I suppose, I suppose, inspire and educate people to recognize that this is not something, it's not a number, you know, it is a, it's an education and it's an understanding of what it takes to age well. Yeah, you know, I think that what you're saying is true, that age is just a number. And I think most people get that age is just a number. It's just that for some people, as you just pointed out, like, 30 seems like it's old. And I mean, come on, that's just not old. It's really not. It's young. I mean, you have this chance. I mean, why do you want to be healthy anyway? I mean, the reason you want to be healthy is so you can be more engaged in life. So you can do more things so you can uh, have more fun, uh, be more productive, whatever it is. And if you can find those motivators to get people engaged, it really does make a huge difference, you know. And also, if you can create models of great aging and show that it doesn't have to be like that. And I really, in my own personal life, 
try to be a good model of what good aging can look like. And, you know, the bizarre thing is, is that people always say to me, oh, you don't look your age. You look so young. You look like you could be in your 30s or 40s. That's and, true. And I'm not. Well, you do look like that. You do. <laughs> no, you do look sensational. They assume the worst. They, they, they figure, oh, you probably got a lot of work done. But in fact, that's just not the case. I mean, the truth is that I live my life so that I can bring health and youth, frankly, with me into the second half of life. And frankly, it's because I got such a bad genetic package dealt to me. <laughs> I don't want to get those things. You got ripped off, eh? You got ripped off. I've got an awesome genetic package. My grandfather, my his auntie, I've had people leave, except for my my Czechoslovakian side of the grand, you know, grandparents. Everyone's lived to close to a hundred, and uh, with not a lot of disease either, which is really, really good. And I had my gene profile done just recently, and it looks pretty, pretty good. I've got a couple of things I've got to manage, but not too bad. But I don't look as good as you do, Maddie. So maybe I should have got bad genes. That would have been the way to go. <laughs> hey, Maddie. <laughs> I take the working out thing and the eating healthy thing really seriously. I haven't eaten red meat in 30 years. What do you do for your food? What do you, what do you eat? What's, what's your focus on food and nutrition? You know, I, my basic premise is to eat real food yeah. and to eat it as, in its most organic possible way I can. I mean, I really, I mean, I'll only eat organic food and maybe and people say to me all the time, Oh, well, what is organic? And honestly, I'm not sure that it makes a difference, but it definitely tastes better. And so it makes me eat lots of fruits and vegetables and lots of things that are really healthy and good for you. And that's what I aim for. I try to also keep the bad food out of my life. I mean, I try to minimize the amount of sugar I eat. That doesn't mean I don't have desserts. I do have desserts, but I don't do it all the time. I do it, you know, it's, it becomes more special, frankly. And the same thing with, you know, I don't really have a lot of gluten. Yeah. I find that it makes me feel bad. You know, it makes me tired. It makes me want to go back to sleep. And, you know, I don't, that's just not a good place for me to be in the middle of the day. But Maddie, that's the same as everyone in the world. Everyone has that re response to gluten. It's just that most people ignore it. Gluten's a pretty bad thing. And the research that's coming out of the United, out of, sorry, out of Italy, you know, the house of gluten, the home of gluten oh my God. is profound. <laughs> Like it, it links gluten to all of those aging diseases and, um, you know, um, chronic degenerative diseases that you were speaking about just before. The gluten link is enormous. So it's good that you don't have that. Well, even I'm now with the with the rise of obviously wheat bellies become a massive uh, book and now yeah. there's grain brain and with the rest and the, the yeah. gluten link with Alzheimer's, which is really when you talk to any um, group of people 50 plus, you say, well, what do you least want to die of? Most most people will say dementia or it's worse, you know, for Alzheimer's. Yeah. And, you know, if people could recognize that their diet had such a massive impact, the sugar link and the gluten link with Alzheimer's, it's just, um, it's scary how simple a lot of these actual preventative steps are to take. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're 100% right, you know, and you're right about the Alzheimer's thing. I mean, more than half of all people over the age of 85 have some form of dementia. And it's like the huge fear. It's like we refer to it as elderly AIDS. Elderly AIDS, Maddie, that's a big call. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah, well, you know, think about it. I mean, yeah, it's definitely related to genetics, which is different than AIDS. But it seems like it comes from nowhere. It seems like, wow, how did I get this? Is it bad luck? Is it something I ate? I mean, people are unaware of it. Is it sexual behavior? 
been honestly <laughs> not sexual behavior. <laughs> That's the one thing we can be sure of. Maybe it's but a lack of. Could it be a lack of, Maddie? Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's something worth researching, I think. Well, you do speak to a lot of one of our favorite guests on 100 Not Out was uh, Dr. Wally Bortz, who you may know, Maddie, um, who's, uh, I think he's Boston-based, but he's in his 80s and he's, again, one of the leaders in the aging field and he is very big on the fact that a good, fantastically intimate relationship is one of the key ingredients to living a long and healthy life. I um, like his style. And again, again, so so did we, Maddie. We thought it was great. And you know, where I'm only forty, and and Marcus is younger than that. And what are you turning twenty one or something? I think Marcus, aren't you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm young and thirty two, but I do know that it's exciting to know that you know um, a fabulous relationship. And 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 Wally was quite keen to point out that it doesn't mean you must be you know married. Uh, doesn't mean that you must be in an intimate relationship per se. But just to have yeah. relationships in That's your it. life, intimate relationship, um, not to be lonely. Because mm-hmm. again, the challenge challenge with um, you know being in a nursing home these days and the challenge with the I suppose the the stereotype of what it is to age is that most people think that they will end up in a home and most people that end up in a home are lonely they're in a room by themselves and they have no intimate relationships that they can call on um, to age to age more effectively yeah that sounds awful it's not fun, not fun at all. Maddie, I want to ask you, um, I really have enjoyed um, reading your latest book, which is called Influence, How Women's Soaring Economic Power Will Transform Our World for the Better. And despite the fact that you could argue that it's marketed towards women, as a male, I find it fascinating to actually to read. And there's a couple of points that I'd like to ask you about, uh, particularly from an aging well perspective. Yeah, um, sure. One of them you spoke about is uh, Chapter 6 called The Future of Men. And you talk about um, men being men these days are really where women were 20 years ago. In that men are now finding ways to create more flexibility in their lifestyle. Um, in the book, it's termed as going from career back to care, where a lot of women go from care in terms of the family to career. Yeah. Um, so men are now. You share an example of a lawyer who was working his ring off in the traditional, you know, legal establishment, and then pretty much took his business to home and created a virtual. Um, law firm and has this fabulous quality of life and spends time with the kids and does school pickup and drop off and all of those things. Um, do you want to share how that's how that's you know changing the landscape of of, um, of adults, particularly as they age? Because I know one of our guests, Charles Eugster, who's a retired dentist, his his philosophy is that working is the most important nutrient for for aging well. So, do you want to share the change in the dynamics there? Yeah, and by the way, I, I kind of agree with him. Um, I think that working through in retirement, in so-called retirement, is an important part of being, of having a good retirement, really, of being very engaged and happy and alive as you get older. But that's a whole, you know, that's a slightly different subject. I mean, when I wrote the book Influence, by the way, you would be interested to know this, Marcus. Um, I wrote it mostly for men. Huh? Uh, I really it is a great read. That's the thing. <laughs> I did look at it and I've gone, wow, far out. I better read that. So I did. And the girls in the practice are going, oh, you know, I can pretty much tell you that anyway. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Women are like, yeah, well, I heard that one before. I sure. Yeah. But unfortunately, what ended up happening is that women really did take it to heart and felt like, yeah, you're really speaking to me. Uh, 
yeah, I get it. Yeah, I want to read this. Whereas very few men thought it was for them. But those of them who read it really liked it. And it was the same thing when I give keynote speeches in the beginning. Uh, a lot of women's groups had me as a speaker. And then once in a while, I'd have a man there attending in some way, shape or form uh, from a big corporation. He would say, you know, I want the men in my company to hear this message. And then I would come back and I started speaking to a lot of mixed groups and groups of um, male executives. But the whole point is that I think as women have gained economic power and influence and as they've gained more executive level positions in the workplace, it's given men the space to be more flexible as well, to give them the choice, you know, do I have to work? I mean, just because you're a guy doesn't mean that you're hard driving and want to have the most successful career in the world. You may be a nurturing person just by your whole personality style. I, I mean, I, for instance, when I was doing some focus groups for my book early on, I did one with a group of men. And there were men in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even a guy in his 70s in the group. And we were talking about this. And one young guy, he must have been like about 26 years old, uh, he, he was a teacher and uh, ran a swim team at a school. And he stood up and he said, you know, I love kids. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that I marry a woman who is a rockin' executive so that she wants to stay in the workplace so that I can be home with my kids. And there were a lot of guys there that said, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I'd really like to do that. But if they were over the age of 40, they looked at this young guy as if he was an alien. I mean, they just totally didn't get this. Yeah. So I think some of it is age driven. I think the younger a man is, the more open he is to the idea that men and women are, are kind of equal. And that takes a lot more work, frankly, in in working out a relationship with somebody else because it's not as straightforward. There's not the defined roles that there used to be. But it also opens the door to a range of possibilities that are pretty remarkable. Yeah, and this is um, also, you know, clarified in your book in that you're talking about not not emasculating men and saying that they need to be more more like women. It's more of a reinvention of the modern day father in that there is more role sharing um, and that there is more adaptability in our lifestyles because we're we're not, you know, we're not in the old days we would be away from home hunting or gathering for eight to ten hours or whatever it is that we were doing, but we would be far away whereas now we might be working from the home office we might be working just around the corner we've got more flexible working hours um so our role as parents um uh, has been reinvented yes Absolutely true. And not only that, it gives me, see, I think it's a great opportunity for guys. I mean, nobody's saying, oh, you have to be like soft and sweet and, and something that you're not. But the idea that you can have these choices to be all kinds of different people and to also, you know, be the best of whoever you are. Um, and I would add to that, if you have kids, the idea that as a man, you know, you now have the opportunity to watch them grow in a much more on the job kind of way. I mean, you're more present in their lives. That's yeah. a great point. In fact, Maddie, um, my wife and I do a lot of that actually. I, 
I wouldn't say that I've got a cruisy lifestyle. I'm very, you know, driven, and Amber's very driven, and she's in the executive um, side of things as well. And that, but that gives us a whole lot of flexibility and freedom. And um, you know, we are definitely seeing that there's an exponential rise in the earning power of women. Women are earning bucket loads of cash over here in Australia, and it seems that way across the world. Do you think that that's going to help us live longer and live better? Do you think that there would be more happiness, or do you think that's going to create a little bit of instability in the family unit? You know where people might start to feel like they've lost their way or their point or their position in the family? Uh, it's a really good question. I, I think it's a complicated question. and There's no simple answer for it, but I will say this. From a lot of the couples that I spoke to, uh, especially a lot of you know younger people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, there is a lot more negotiation that has to go on in a relationship when the roles are not quite as defined. And, the, and also the roles may change over time, uh, which requires continuous negotiation. So just the idea of that is it's more work. Whereas if you have defined roles, you do this, I do that, that's the way it is. That's how it's always been. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a little easier. Even if it's a le less pleasant, it's easier. So it's it's complicated. It's more complex. And it also raises a lot of ire in people. For instance, a lot of men, if they're not the primary breadwinner, they're very uncomfortable with that reality. And a lot of women, if they are the primary breadwinner, they're uncomfortable with that reality. But I would say overall, most people, most couples look at it as a great opportunity for them to be the best that they can be and to take on flexible roles and to change those roles when they're not working. And to you know, support each other. If one of the, if you're in a couple and your husband or wife want or a partner want to go back to school for a while, you know, for you to help them out and then they to help you out in turn, you know, I mean, that's kind of great. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's great. You know, before we close out, Maddie, I'm really keen to know what you eat. I know that you've uh, you eat a very clean diet. You do the Jeff principle, which is just eat real food. I love that principle, and I just I would love to know what you eat for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. Uh, well, I don't eat the same things all the time, but, um, you know, for breakfast, I, I've been getting into eating these like vegetable souffles that I buy that oh, are wow. really good. I mean, they're fantastic. So the idea that I can have like a vegetable and like egg whites for breakfast, that's yeah. basically what it is. That's like awesome to me. So <laughs> I try to do that. Um, then for lunch, I, it, it really depends if I'm like on the run, sometimes I'll just have one of those. Um, the real food nutrition bars, sometimes I'll just eat one of those. Or sometimes, you know, like yesterday I had like a salad, chicken and a salad. And um, that's my favorite kind of lunch, you know, to have a great salad with some kind mm. of protein thrown in. Yeah. And then for dinner, I, you know, I'm a big fish eater. So I eat a lot of salmon, for instance, and um, I like lots of veggies with it. And I love, you know, things like quinoa and yeah. whole wheat pasta instead of um, anything with gluten in it. Yeah, it's sounding good to me. Now, uh, just, uh, and one more question. Um, how much do you exercise? What sort of exercise are you doing every day? Are you exercising every day? I do exercise every single day. You know, sometimes I'll skip. They say it's actually better to skip a day, but I find that it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I find it hard to not move my body in some way, yeah. uh, even yeah. if it's a rest day. You know, I kind yeah. of sit on the couch all day. I know. I mean, I'm behind a computer an awful lot of the time, so exercise is really important. I do a lot of Pilates. I love Pilates. Uh, I do a lot of cardio. I like to take hikes. Um, 
And I've been doing this new thing that I discovered called core alignments, which I love. And I discovered it in my Pilates studio. And it's, I actually started doing it because I had a hip injury. I uh, tore ligaments in my groin area that was throwing everything completely off balance in my body. So this is, um, this is like a machine in a Pilates thing that works on your gait and it really realigns your body so that you're using your muscles the right way. And I love it. It's fantastic. It sounds like you need a chiropractor. I might have to have a bit of a trip over to California. I, I do. I need a good chiropractor. <laughs> oh, you're speaking to one. Damien Christoph's one of the best. Uh, Although my wife, my wife is, what was that? Do you make house calls to California? Yeah, I'll jump on the QF93 uh, tomorrow and I'll be there by about oh, uh, 2 o'clock. There you go. Uh, Maddie, my <laughs> wife might be listening and my beautiful wife Sarah is a chiropractor and we might hop on the plane before Damo comes over. <laughs> because, um, we need a trip to California. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us on 100 Not Out. If you've been listening and you want to buy Maddie's book, which I highly recommend, Me it's too. called Influence, How Women's Soaring Economic Power will transform our world for the better. Um, you can also go to agewave.com and check out the amazing contribution that both Maddie and her husband Ken have made um, to the world. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we've thoroughly and uh, really enjoyed your company and truly may the rest of your life really be the best of your life. Well, thank you and it's been fun. Thanks. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you. Until next week, folks, remember there's plenty of ways to keep in touch with us. You can go to thewellnesscouch.com and check out the entire range of podcasts. And remember, we've now got the Facebook page up and running. So by all means, go and join us on Facebook. Uh, become a member of The Wellness Couch. Go to thewellnesscouch.com and sign up for membership. Um, and remember, sign up at iTunes, subscribe to the podcast and check out our range of wellness podcasts available, including that number one show, The Wellness Guys. So until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.